Hey, listeners, thanks for joining me today. Do I sound happy or do I sound a little down? Well, hopefully I'm sounding kind of happy, but I know things are not really progressing the way that we want them to be progressing, although we are at the end of the year. And look where we are, kind of at the beginning of the year, if that makes any sense. Anyhow, my guest today is Robert Ginsburg. Now, he has an organization that he founded called Forever Family Foundation. And you can find him at foreverfamilyfoundation.org. He also has a radio program called Signs of Life Radio. So go to the website there and check it out. Now, what Mr. Ginsburg talks about and what this foundation is about is really about accepting that there is an afterlife or life after death and how to really deal with grief and loss. So I'm not giving it justice by really giving you an explanation of it, but I implore you to go to the website and check it out. Also, stick around and listen to what he has to say. We have a really good conversation. And I personally, I learned a lot and it opened my mind up to the possibilities. So you're going to hear that one of the things to accept the possibility of there being life after death or, you know, consciousness sticking around because it's not attached to the body. The body will die and it will you know vanish disintegrate go away however you want to put it but there is an energy and a mind a conscious mind that is still here you me we just have to be open and accept it so let's get right into it thanks for listening Mr. Ginsburg, thank you first of all for uh, joining me today on the podcast. And my pleasure. I I did have a chance uh, to see you on Netflix. And first of all, I just want to let everybody know that you are the um, founder of um, Forever Family Foundation and uh, the author of uh, the Medium Explosion. And you currently are featured on Netflix on uh, a documentary series called Surviving Death, and you are in uh, Season 1, Episode 4. Correct. <laughs> yes. Uh, what did I leave out? <laughs> Nothing. It's, you know, um, we started, uh, you mentioned the foundation, which yeah. we started back in, in 2003, and it's grown you know we have about 12,000 members you know worldwide and um, over the years it just shows that there's a, a thirst for for knowledge you know and today I think especially in this age of the pandemic a lot of people are questioning their own mortality whereas they never gave it much thought before uh, and and uh, I think that's one of the reasons uh, that more and more people are interested in the subject of uh, is there a possibility that we're more than our physical bodies? You know, is, is, is the afterlife a real possibility? You know? Yeah. Uh, is it a real possibility? 
Yeah, you know, if you asked me that question, Chuck, 20 years ago, I would say to you, no, uh, you know, we are our brains. And when we die, uh, you know, our brains are no more. So what could possibly survive? You know, I believed in the finality of death. Um, I think many people do to a certain extent, and that perpetuates, you know, fear and conflict and and, and phobias and so forth. So, um, circumstances in my own life, uh, very often um, trauma um, is a trigger to exploration. So after the the death of my daughter, I started to search uh, to try to find out in my own mind, because I was left-brained and um, uh, and, and I had I was a logical thinker, and I needed evidence for everything. So I started meeting with scientists and medical doctors and researchers around the country that studied consciousness, studied the mind, and I wanted to find out if there was any real evidence that something survived. And we say survival, um, as we refer to it in the research community, you know, what really survives? Certainly it's not our physical bodies, it's cremated or it's in the ground, but what survives is our soul or our mind or our consciousness. And I use those words, you know, interchangeably. So the fact is that the evidence shows that our minds can act independently of our physical brains. And once you believe that, the concept of, of surviving your own death um, becomes somewhat logical. And there's, you know, I mean, we can get into the specific evidence for it, but when you step back and examine the totality of the evidence, as I did, after fighting it for four or five years, I refused to believe it. Eventually, I relented um, under the weight of the evidence. And you got a little taste of that in the Netflix series when they talked about near-death experiences and after-death communications and reincarnation and so forth. So yeah. yes, there is there is a there is evidence that we do survive. Now, it, some oftentimes or sometimes you, you hear uh, that there's this. I'm just gonna say, portal. But some people don't leave Earth and go beyond. So there's that. Uh, I don't. Know, it's not purgatory, <laughs> but th- there's their their spirit or their soul is still here. And you could feel them, you could connect with them. But is there a point in time where that ends and then they're gone? Or is that is that the point in time when people like uh, like myself, we say, okay, I'm at ease, I'm at peace now, I can let go? Uh, I, yeah. Yeah, I understand the question. Um, you know, people talk about... Um, you know, earthbound, you know, spirits, you know, that are have attachments to the physical world and haven't kind of released. I mean, the evidence seems to show, and when we talk about evidence, it comes mainly through near-death experiences and mediumship and, and channel writings, is that those in, a, in another dimension, uh, and it's a dimension of, of higher, you know, uh, f- frequency, you know, and, and vibration as opposed to this dense physical environment, are able to communicate um, even after long, you know, periods of time. Mm. Uh, but to, um, I suspect, though, as you were kind of hinting that, that after a, a certain amount of development or growth, uh, whatever you want to call it, that 
the need to communicate with their loved ones in the physical plane is not as great as it once was. I mean, if you think about it, my greatest priority after I, you know, pass on would be to let my loved ones know that I physically, you know, that I still exist in some form. And I would do that either directly, trying to communicate directly mind to mind to my loved one's mind in the physical world, or through an intermediary like a, like a medium. And the way I would give evidence that if I just give you a message that I love you, you know, how would you verify that? I mean, obviously, you know, I would, but if I can give you specific information, you know, facts, names, uh, things that only uh, you would know, you know, and there's no way that, you know, that the medium would know, then, um, you know, that becomes false in the category of evidence. So uh, I would say that, you know, we've seen cases in, uh, where mediums bring through, you know, spirit entities uh, that have been gone for, you know, decades, um, mm. you know, or, or there are cases of either 50 years or, or 100 years. So um, I suspect that it becomes more and more difficult for those as they progress through the other dimensions to still make contact with the physical world, but it's still possible, you know. Okay. Uh, do you think uh, that one's belief really plays a, a, a large role in this, whether they accept um, that that spirit or that soul or that energy is still here? Uh, or do you think that the, the, the belief, yeah, does the belief block them from believing and opening their eyes to the possibility? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you obviously, if you don't believe in it, um, you know, I didn't believe in it um, after, you know, my daughter passed. So things were happening all around me. Uh, my wife was somewhat intuitive and she would pick up on everything, but I was oblivious to it because it didn't fit into my frame of reference. So if you believe that death is final and it's impossible, I'm not going to recognize any communications that come through, no matter how profound that they are. Um, I think that there's a progression. If, if you know, most of the surveys that are done today, when they ask people if they believe in an afterlife, there's a surprisingly high percentage of people consistently that say that they do. It's somewhere in the range between 70 and 80 percent, depending on the particular survey. But I think what's happening is that when people say that they believe in an afterlife, what they're really saying is that they hope. They hope there's an afterlife based upon, could be based upon their faith or based upon, you know, other factors. Gradually, when you start to explore this stuff, that hope could change into belief, um, mm -hmm. you know, and that belief can come through direct personal experiences or through your own research. Ultimately, that belief can change into a knowing, you know, where you've had something so profound, um, whether that be an after-death communication or a near-death experience or something else that you no longer question. You know, and, and I think that once you reach that stage of no longer questioning, it has a lot of positive effects. It can, um, it could um, diminish your grief. It could enable you to live your life more fully uh, because you're not constantly afraid of, you know, that, that I'm going to be extinguished, you know, forever, that, you know, there's more to come. Um, you know, the, the other part, I remember, I was just thinking about this this morning, Chuck, is that when I first started doing this work, Every once in a while, I would be somewhat hesitant when we used to educate people about the evidence that showed that the world's dimensions to come are better than this, you know, physical existence. And I used to worry, are we somehow 
encouraging you know people to to take their own lives uh, because we're painting that they may be living this miserable existence in the physical realm and now that we're painting this picture of this blissful um, existence you know elsewhere but um, it, it's not really that you know it's not the case I think that we're here in this physical realm for a purpose and our existence after this physical world is based in part, or I shouldn't say in part, wholly on, on what we did and how we reacted in the compassion that we sh showed um, in, in this physical world. So people that were miserable human beings, when they move over to the other side, I'll call it the other side, um, they tend to congregate with people of like mind, you know, and character, um, you know, so... Uh, they near-death experiences talk about having a life review. Um, not all near-death experiences, but a great uh, percentage of them. And in this life review, as they're crossing into the next world, they it's like a movie reel, they describe it as, and it, and it runs, their whole life runs before them. And they are able to feel the joy and the love and the happiness that they imparted upon others. And that's great. But Conversely, they also feel the pain that they uh, cause others by their actions, and that's not such a you know a pleasant feeling. So, the 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 bottom line is that we um, the self judgment involved. We decide where we belong. It's not that we're going to sit before some panel or tribunal and say you go here or you go there, but you know we know inherently where we belong. Now, even the most miserable of people. Uh, that move to the other side, they may stay uh, in one plane for a, for a considerable amount of time, but even they elevate, you know, to, uh, as they move through time, not time as we know it, but, but uh, time where the past, present, and future is all intermingled, um, and they gradually um, complete their, you know, uh, soul, so to speak. So um, I think that you know, because if you believe it, it's tied together. Because if you believe that life is 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 totally random, and if you believe that it's chaotic, and that this is, um, uh, you know, you, that we're extinguished forever after we physically die, you don't have much incentive to do good. You figure, hell, it's not going to matter, <laughs> you know. But so I might as well rape and pillage and do whatever I, the heck I want. But if you believe that. Uh, that your existence is going to be tied into things that you do. It takes on a different perspective. And that seems to be what the channeled reports tell us and all, the, all these experiencers tell us. Yeah. Uh, as far as all that goes, with your Family Forever uh, or the Forever Family Foundation, yeah. it, it's, from what I gather when I watch it, it seemed like it's everybody's there to help one another try to open their minds and see now are the people that walk away still being super skeptical and saying, you know, I, I didn't, I did not get the evidence that I was looking for. And is there yeah. evidence that they're looking for? Is it just, um, I don't want to say too much, but is it so unattainable? You know, I want them to talk to me. I want to hear the voice and I want to see them right now move that cup. And then if it doesn't happen immediately, they're like, they dismiss everything. Do you get, do you get folks like that? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's an excellent point because, you know, we live in this world of instant gratification. You know, mm -hmm. we, everything's available at the click of a mouse and we want it and we want it now. And, you know, but that's not the way this stuff works. I mean, um, this, the, the phenomena that we talk about is spontaneous in nature and you can't force it to happen. So it, it, uh, you have to um, lay a foundation for belief. It's a process, you know. First, you talk about ways in which our, our minds are not the same as our physical brains. You talk about telepathy, mind-to-mind -mind communication, and you talk about the evidence from that, you know, um, uh, ESP evidence, remote viewing um, evidence where people can, for lack of a better term, send their consciousness to a distant site and then draw accurate um, uh, depictions of what they see. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and things... Uh, uh, distant healing, psychokinesis, where the mind has the power to affect matter. Um, and, and once you um, believe that from the evidence that, that our, our minds can act outside of our physical you know, skulls, uh, then you open up to other things. And so you talk about people who had near-death experiences where they meet every definition that science tells us, medical science, of, of death. I mean, they have no heartbeat, they have no respiration, they have no brain waves, they have no reflexes. You know, for all intents and purposes, they are dead. And yet, what do they report? They report leaving their body. Um, actually, some people that are in the operating room, you know, see the, the surgeons, you know, working on them. Uh, they report clear and lucid thinking you know, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, downloading all, all this knowledge. And if you are hallucinating and if it's the product of oxygen deprivation and so forth it's going to be anything but clear and lucid it's going to be fragmented it's, you know it's more like a hallucination you're going to be jumping all over the place and yet they they have more you know they can think clearer uh, clearer than they ever thought before so that doesn't uh, what does that tell you it tells you that their their consciousness is kind of separating from their damaged brain and still operating and not only operating but operating at a, at a much higher level so you learn about things like that um, the evidence from mediumship um, you mentioned in my book the medium explosion I mean in that book um, I didn't make a lot of friends in the mediumship community initially because you know I state that um, based upon my observations and, and my own research that 85 to 90 percent of the practicing mediums today cannot do what they claim. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that they're all frauds. Uh, some are, you know, but it means that uh, they have some intuitive ability, but it, they haven't, they don't have enough ability or they haven't progressed to the point where they can communicate with a discarnate, you know, entity. Um, but the, re the remaining 10 percent, and, and we've certified uh, some of those people, you know, over the years, we conduct a, a medium certification program where we evaluate um, evidence under controlled conditions and we can actually determine who can do it and who, who can't. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some throughout history and certainly um, today as well that can uh, have extraordinary abilities, you know, to communicate and they, it's specifics and, you know, it's facts and, and features. Now, you know, a hundred years ago when mediums did work and there's no Google and there's no internet, you know, so they couldn't look things up. And we're very much aware today uh, that a medium can, I mean, we, 
we caught a medium recently that was doing, you know, because of uh, COVID, a lot of the medium stopped doing personal readings person to person. Mm -hmm. They do it via Zoom. And we saw a medium that was doing a reading and they had the person's name on the Zoom screen. Um, and on the they, they split their screen on the other side of the screen. They had the person's Facebook page open and they were spitting back all the information. And it's amazing how much information <laughs> it can get on social media. Right. right. And, and, and so they were totally fraud. She was totally fraudulent. And, and, give, and, the, and the sitter, not knowing the difference, the person getting the reading was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. How would you know that? Well, you know, so you have to be aware of things today that you weren't aware of then. But uh, mediumship does provide uh, a tremendous amount of, of uh, evidence and a really powerful medium reading, um, especially to somebody who's on the fence. They're not really sure whether they believe in this stuff and they can walk away and it can be life uh, transforming, you know, because now they walk away with renewed hope and comfort, you know, and belief that their loved one still survives. So there's a lot of evidence that's come through, you know, in the mediumship world. Uh, you may have seen in the Netflix series of, of uh, reincarnation cases of children with past life memories and yeah. the researchers go out and they become like investigators. They pull up the old records of, of the person that they claim that they used to be and they visit the, you know, when available at the person's home and they pull medical records and, uh, and so forth. And, and some of those cases are extremely, you know, compelling. Um, you know, after death communications, you know, or people call them signs, you know, happen every day. Uh, you know, dr dream visitations um, is the, probably the most common form. The theory being that, you know, when you're at that REM stage of, of sleep um, and that chatter mind is kind of set aside, uh, the person in spirit has like a clear conduit to get through to you, you mm -hmm. know, without the use of a medium. And you have these these dreams that stay with you. And in the dream, uh, you can talk to your loved one sometimes or hug them and kiss them and, and have conversations. So uh, those are um, can also be, you know, life transforming, you know, to certain people. So, you know, the point is I can take all of those different things that I just talked about and I can dismiss anyone, you know, um, by saying, oh, no, this is just coincidental, it's not real. But if you're able to step back and you learn and you read about all of the evidence, life after death becomes logical. You know, it, it's, it seems to be the most logical explanation. So uh, it's not all woo-woo, you know, you know, like I thought it was, you know, 20 years ago. And, and uh, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of credible, uh, well-credentialed people in the field that, that, that have devoted their lives to the study of the, uh, these phenomena. Yeah, I, I would imagine that uh, Eastern and Western culture makes a big difference, too, on how we believe and what we were taught to believe. And then as far as the mediumship goes, what I've always thought, too, is many of them probe. And if, if we're in that grieving period, and I think even in your show you mentioned it, we want to believe so much that they say, I think this person is, and then you're like, yeah, yeah, they're wearing something green. Yes, yes. And then they're probing and they go on that. Um, and my fear of all this is, or my thought, I don't know if it's really a fear right now, but there are so many people who are grieving they want either closure, they want to stay in communication contact with their loved ones, that the, the fraudulent mediums are out there making this 
as a money-making business. Like I said, they'll do it over the phone, and they have that split screen. And, you know, just as I have right now, I've got some notes over on one side. I've got you over here, and I've got me over there. And I can speak intelligently, or at least try to. Right. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And it's one of the reasons that I wrote the book, because I wanted to educate people as to what to look for, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and... I call it a, an epidemic, really, because there are practitioners on every corner now. Uh, and, you know, uh, some call themselves psychics. Some people call themselves mediums. Incidentally, there is a difference because oh. all, all mediums, it, it's said that all mediums are psychic, and, and they are, but not all psychics are mediums. So you may have the ability to read my mind which is extraordinary in and of itself and, and nothing to dismiss, but you have no ability to talk to somebody, you know, that that's in the spirit world. So it gets confusing because mediumship is mind to mind communication. It just so happens that one of the parties involved doesn't have a physical body anymore, but they still have a mind. They still have consciousness. And when we do conduct these certification sessions, it's very hard to discern the two. So when I'm training a sitter, I'm training a person that's going to score the med- the evidence that they're getting from the medium. The way I explain it to them is, let's say, you know, I'm the medium and I say to you, hmm, um, you know, Chuck, did you just paint your bedroom blue? And let's say that you just happened, you did paint your bedroom blue. So that would seem to be extraordinary piece of evidence but not when it comes to mediumship, it's, it's, it's worthless because you're not, it's not coming from anybody that's in spirit. So it doesn't show that there's an afterlife. It just shows that mind to mind communication exists. But if I'm the medium and I'm giving you Chuck, um, you know, 10 pieces of solid evidence about your deceased dad. Uh, and then I say to you, you know, dad's also telling me he likes that you painted your coat, you know, your, your, your bedroom blue, you know, then that becomes evidential because I've already given you the evidence. So you know that I'm, you're communicating with your dad. So then you can accept it. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, so I, I, the, the sitters, they can't score pure psychic information for the, for our purposes. They have to score the, 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 uh, the uh, person in spirit has to be identified. And a lot of mediums, you know, sometimes I'll ask mediums when I, I give them preliminary questions looking for possible uh, red flags, you know, I'll say to them, what do you think is more important? Messages of love, you know, or evidence? And surprisingly, you know, mediums sometimes say, oh, it's it's the messages of love that are uh, most important. And that that's not what I want to hear because I can, of course, I mean, how many parents don't love their children? How many, you know, how, you know, how many uh, children don't love their parents? Uh, yeah, of course they love you, but I can't accept any message unless now, now I, I know that you're communicating with them, you know? So, um, I, I, I'm very wary of mediums that say that it's the messages that are, that are most important. They are important, mm-hmm. but only after the, the evidence has been established so that you know without a doubt that you're communicating with your deceased loved one. Yeah, kind of like that gentleman in, in the uh, Netflix program where he, he mentioned, my dad has to say something about my hair. And yeah. nothing was said until right at the very end before they were getting ready to leave. And the, the medium said, oh, by the way, your dad's saying something about your hair. So right. in that situation, it was a confirmation. Yeah. Uh, so that they are connected or speaking to that person on the other side rather than 
like you said, um, that 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 feel good. Oh, they want you to know that they are okay and they love you. That's it. Here's you know, pay up. You you, yeah. you got the message right. Oh, I feel great right. now. It's, My job is done. You, right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah. Uh, well, you're right. And and there's there's also a difference between general information and, and specific information. So you know, as an example, if you're the medium, Chuck, and you're doing a reading for me, and you look at me, you could size up my approximate age and so forth, my ethnicity and all sorts of of things. So if you say to me, uh, Bob, I have your deceased grandmother here. Do you have a a grandmother that's in spirit? Well, I have to mark it true, but despite the fact that she'd be 120 now if she's, you know, if she still uh, was with us. So but because I have a grandmother in spirit, I have to mark it true. But if you say, you know, Chuck, I have your grandmother Rebecca here, and my grandmother's name was Rebecca, that information should carry more weight in the scoring than just the general piece. Mm-hmm. So the more specific they are, you know, the, the, the better that the, the, they do in the scoring. And sometimes they come up with, you know, obscure things that you know you've never mentioned to anybody. And sometimes they'll come up with things because you still the argument is still made that somehow the medium is reading your mind. But sometimes they'll give you information that you don't know to be true or not. You have no idea. And then you later investigate and you find out, yes, you know, you know, it was true. So that would tend to to dispel the notion that they were reading my mind because I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, You know, I want to find out a little bit more from you, uh, for the listeners and the viewers. What are the evidence that people look for or want to look for or that they should look for or is it so general as an example in yours in your case it showed that you walked into i think your kitchen and the lights are dancing they're flickering doing all this stuff and you you were so much in doubt that you uh you hired an electrician the next day i think it said and yeah you're right i did and that that, that was my nature you know so we, so those circumstances I mean, we were talking about uh, you know, my dis- my wife and I were talking about my my daughter and spirit, and then we walked into our kitchen as and I gave that that clip to to Netflix, you know, because my wife had filmed it on her phone, and you know there was a series of nine hi hats in the kitchen, and they, you know, it never happened before, and we had already lived in the house for you know ten years, um, and they were just going crazy. There was this light show as as you saw, and and. I'm just standing there, you know, looking at it, and it's going through my mind, yeah, uh, my wife had this inner knowing that this was a communication. I, on the other hand, said, it's a short somewhere, and I'll find out. Um, You know, and then it stopped, and we walked away, and I walked back into the kitchen again, and then we had another five minutes of this light show. And, of course, as you mentioned, the next morning I had an electrician there. He took down all of the hi-hats. He removed all the switches from the wall. There was nothing wrong and never happened again and never happened prior and never happened in 10 years after that. So um, then you can accept that. I could accept it because I ruled out the material explanations. Then I could accept the spiritual, you know, explanation. Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things. You know, there's another thing called electronic voice phenomena. Not too many people know about that, but it's it's kind of a simple process, and, and researchers have been studying that for quite a while, many, many, many years. And and if you you can turn on a recording device. Back in the day, it was a reel-to-reel, you know, a tape recorder. Now it's every phone has a recorder, and you just turn on a recording device, and you 
kind of set your intention to talk to somebody in, in the spirit world and you let it run for 20 or 30 seconds and then you shut it off and then you play it back. Um, you, when there is a voice that appears, it never appears live while it's happening. I have no idea why. That's always the way it is, but you could hear it on playback. It's not like it's going to happen all the time. There are people that experiment with it for six months or a year before they ever, you know, get a voice. But um, very often, um, when you play back the recording, you hear a voice. Um, and sometimes the voice is not intelligible and that really is, has no uh, evidential value, you know, but sometimes the voices are, are crystal clear. Mm -hmm. And what I used to do is when we used to get these recordings, I used to bring it into a group of people, let's say 10 or 15 people, and I would play, you know, the, the recording, and I would ask everybody to write down what they think they heard. And if only one person heard it and 14 people didn't, I didn't give it much value. But if all 15 people heard the same thing, um, you know, it's hard to make the argument that we're just making sense out of nonsense. All 15 people heard the same thing. So certain voices are, um, are really incredible. I have a, a uh, there's a medium, uh, her name happens to be, you know, Janet Mayer, and she's uh, certified by our foundation, and she's also a close friend of the family. And my, my wife uh, passed away last September, and then after that, uh, Janet, even though she was a medium, as a hobby, she used to experiment in electronic voice phenomena. And she decided to write every week at the same time, she, she would write down a, a series of about seven or eight questions that she wanted to ask of my wife, you know, in, in spirit. And she would then send me the recordings. And some of it, you know, was like, I couldn't understand, but some were extraordinary. Like one day she said, um, friend, what is the name of the organization that you founded? And then you hear clearly Forever Family Foundation. Um, you know, so uh, another time it happened to be my birthday. And she said, do you have a message for Bob? And then you hear happy birthday, you know, so if you can rule out fraud, and I can in this case, because I know the, the, the you know, the, this medium person very, very well, and I don't even know how you would, um, you know, you, you would uh, manifest that in a fraudulent process. Um, that it's really, um, to that, it's really intriguing to a lot of people, because you have evidence, hard evidence in, in the form of the recording. It's not something that popped into your mind. So there are things that are, um, uh, like like that, that that people are not aware of, but yet they happen, uh, you know, on a regular basis, and that's just another way of communicating. I I, I two comments. Um, well, first is you saying that and talking about the voice and the recordings, and then people either dismissing it. As soon as you start talking about it, and I'm getting more, I got the chills. So what I guess what I want to say is that do you think that people when they they start to receive and like me getting the chills and all of a sudden they might say, oh, I see the hair standing my, on my arms and my hands, then they cut it. They're like they do something to cut it to say this is not real. It's not happening. I'm not scared. So that second part of this is do you think the fear of all of a sudden something coming in for communication makes people all of a sudden get on this high alert and they do whatever they can 
to shut it down, to turn it off. Yeah, that's a very perceptive comment, and it's absolutely true because you know we we it's instilled upon us in our whole lives, you know, through our family and through the media and movies and everything else that things that we can't perceive with our known physical senses is something to be feared. Mm -hmm. um, even people, some some religions, you know, pre, you know, preach that. So people are fearful of things that they can't touch and, and smell, you know, and, and hear, and. Very often, that's exactly what happens. They even in a dream visitation, you know, they, they they wake up or they shut it down. You know, I once had a a woman at one of our grief retreats, and you know, she was in, in horrible grief, and she was really on the fence about all this stuff. And I said, "What what would it take? I mean, what if you anything in the world? What would it take for you to be absolutely convinced that your daughter's you know still still existed?" And she said, if my daughter appeared to me and I could see her, that would be it. And, you know, we, we know there are cases of apparitions, you know, throughout history of, of people in, in, in these other dimensions manifesting themselves in physical form. But the, it's rare, you know, let's face it. It doesn't, doesn't happen very often. You know, and I saw this woman uh, at another retreat about four years later. And and I had I started talking to her again, and she said, you know, Bob, it happened. I said, what? She said, I woke up, and there was my daughter, you know, sitting at the at the, at the foot of the bed, and you know, staring at me. And I said, so, so what happened? She said, I was scared out of my mind, and I let out a gasp, and then my daughter disappeared. That's exactly to illustrate your point. You know, here, this is something that should be that she wished for for five years. It's something that. She, that she hoped and that would happen. It's something to be treasured. Her, her daughter is visiting her to, to show her that she's still around and she's with her. And yet fear still took over, you mm -hmm. know, and, and that happens. We, It's very hard. And that's why it's important, I think, to educate the people about all this stuff because it lessens the fear and it becomes more acceptable. Uh, you know, I mean, I'll tell you another quick one. I had a... Uh, about a year, that's probably maybe two years after my daughter passed, I had some physical ailment and I, I decided to go to my doctor. I don't remember what the ailment was. And the doctor happened to be a, a friend of mine. And we're sitting there and he said, oh, Bob, you know, I haven't seen you in you know, quite a while. What are you up to these days? And I said, you really want to know? He says, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm studying survival of consciousness. You know, and he looked at me and we just, a little bit puzzled and we just, continued talking for another five, ten minutes. He's going to ask you something. I said, what? He said, what's survival of consciousness? And then I started to have a discussion like we're having now, you know, that the mind is not the same as, as, as the brain. And um, we talked for probably 25 minutes while people were rioting in his waiting room, you know. He, he never did ask me what was wrong with me, but he was interested. And then he closed the door and he got very quiet and he said, can I, can I tell you something? And I said, yeah. He said, my father uh, died eight years ago. And I said, yeah. He said, and he died at nine o'clock in the morning and I had a lot of patients in the hospital and I had to check up on them. So I called my answering service, you know, a little bit later in the morning. And um, the, the answering service started reading back his messages and said, doctor, your father called. And he said, my father died at nine o'clock this morning. Um, and, uh, and he said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, doctor. I, 
we must have gotten the message wrong. You must have said your father-in-law. He says, my father-in-law has been dead for 16 years. He said, what time did the message come in? And, and she said, at 9.15. And he said, Re read me back the message. And the message was, Frank, it's me. I'm okay. Uh, now, he held this in for the for the for the, the, the decade that that had passed. Um, never told a soul. Never told his family. Never told his wife. Certainly never told a colleague. But yet it was kept. He kept this inside. It was kind of extraordinary. I mean, uh, there are very few explanations for that. But here. After he heard the stuff that was coming out of my mouth, he knew I was the person that was not going to judge anything that he said. And I guarantee you, um, in the 15 years that have passed since then, he still never told another soul, you know. So I, I, I tell that as an example of how sad it is that we feel so, um, we're so fearful about being labeled or judged uh, that we don't simply tell others that are close to us the experiences that we had, you know, mm -hmm. just simply tell them, you know, I mean, and let them, so be it, you know, but at least they're aware of it. So we encourage people to share these experiences they have. And the more that they share, the more accepted that they'll be and, and the less fear that they'll be associated with it. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of this is the embarrassment part. You may have uh, received that message or whatever it might be, but you're embarrassed to tell your friends, your colleagues, people, because like you said, they'll label you as a nutcase or, or something like that. Um, yeah. A lot of this that you're talking about, I was very similar to you, is very, very skeptical about all this, but then I start to think, uh, is, even as far as our conscious mind not being attached to our physical self, is we always hear that you, we use just a fraction of our brain. And we're all on electrons, and all the electrical currents running through, so why can't it? Why can't it exist outside of the physical? So, you know, if, if we're still saying, well, we don't use but 8% of our brain or whatever it might be, well, what's that other 92%? Is, and as you mentioned, we're in this REM stage or just prior to, is it all of a sudden our minds open up um, just because we were more free? And then now we are either seeing or visualizing. Uh, and when I say visualizing, I mean closing my eyes and I see some shapes and things like that. And then you have to try to um, interpret those shapes. Uh, I think this is not exactly, but uh, even on that Netflix show, the woman says, I, I get messages from my mom through the clouds. I see the shapes of the clouds and those are the messages. And I think a lot of times people do, or they might see something with their eyes closed but they're just not interpreting it because they're not open in their mind. Uh, that, that's just yeah. my take is we're not using our full brain power. So how can we doubt a lot of this? Right. And, and a lot of people, um, when they do receive information, they question it. You know, I once did a survey uh, where I sent out to like about 10,000 members a, a survey. And, I, and one of the questions was, if you had your choice, would you rather see, receive communication from your deceased loved one directly or through, through the services of a medium? And I, when I designed the question, I fully expected the overwhelming majority to say I'd rather get the communication directly. Mm -hmm. um, 
But that's not what I saw. Most people said I'd rather get it through a medium. So then I started to to explore why they said that. One of the things is you you addressed already. Uh, they're fearful of getting the information, you know, themselves. Um, and then the other common answer was, if I get the communication myself, I'm going to question it. I'm going to wonder whether it was I'm making it up, you know, because of my grief or, or something else. Whereas if I get get it told to me by a professional, you know, a third party, like a medium, uh, then I could trust the information more. So it's interesting. And it goes back to what we were talking about. People receive this information all the time. You know, sometimes, even in the case of, of, of a near-death experience or in these deathbed visions or people that have Alzheimer's or even in a coma, you know, the, the, the physical apparatus, the receiver, the brain is damaged. Mm. But that doesn't mean the signal is not still being sent, you know, if you think of your brain as a radio, you know, right. receiver. So the receiver, the information is still surrounds us, but sometimes we have to bypass that that damaged, uh, you know, radio to, to pick up on information. And that's why um, even people today uh, recommend that if you, you're sitting with somebody that's not conscious or in a coma, talk to them because on another level, you know, they'll hear you. You know, it's just uh, it's just hearing in a different way. Yeah, it's you know when you're talking about that, I the first thing that popped into my mind is autism. Uh, it, it, they're on a different spectrum. It, it's a lot of us will say, um, I want to be sensitive about how I put this, but a lot of yeah. people will think that an autistic child or person is not smart, but they are on a um, a different plane and they have intelligence and possibly that higher intelligence because they don't have that uh, that they don't have that person sitting on their shoulder telling them don't believe or that's not true so they're I, I think that they are open to uh, understanding so much more than what we are uh, because we are so close-minded in a lot of things you're right, and, and of course you're familiar with uh, autistic savants. I mean, they're taking, mm -hmm. uh, you know, doing things that we can't even imagine with our own, normally with our well, our own brains, uh, you know, intense mathematical calculations and so forth. It also has been found out that a very large percentage of people with autism are highly psychic um, and have uh, greatly enhanced intuitive abilities. One of the of the scientists on our Science uh, Scientific Advisory Board, a, a medical doctor, Dr. Diane Powell, um, has devoted a good part of her career to studying um, children with autism, specifically their, their, with their psychic ability. And some of them display extraordinary psychic ability. So again, it has nothing to do with, with the their, a damaged you know, physical uh, brain, but everything to do with with all the other information and receiving the information um, directly through other means. So if you were to say to somebody uh, two things as far as a grieving process and accepting the possibility that there is life after death, what are a couple of things that you would tell them um, 
how to accept it or I'm not sure how to say this or if I'm even coming across right. You know, this conversation is so deep. And I will tell you uh, personally that I've had some of these experiences. And as I mentioned, I was very similar to you, very, very skeptical, very doubtful. And even though I've had some of these experiences, I still question what I see. But then I also pray or prayer is the not the right word to use but that's the only word i could think of i oh i hope that it happens again and i hope that i am able to receive and interpret it so going back to the the uh um uh, the initial question what i was asking is what are a couple of things that you could give to people who are listening and watching uh, well, how to accept how to accept yeah. this well let me say first that being in an open-minded skeptic is good. You should never just accept anything at face value. That's different from being a closed-minded skeptic because uh, a closed-minded skeptic just refuses to accept any evidence or the data. They just have you know blinders on. Open-minded skeptics always question and always, always explore. And that's how you can change the way you think by, by um, not being sure and then being convinced. The other part of it is that there are many regarding life after death. I mean, there have been many scientific uh, studies published in peer-reviewed journals that show that those who believe in life after death do better in their grief than those who do not. And it's logical because what could really give you, I mean, yeah, you could be treated uh, in different ways by a practitioner, a, a therapist, or you know, prescribed medication, but what could give you any more hope than believing that they still exist. So mm-hmm. that, that to me makes sense. Um, so, you know, my advice is really um, to remain open, you know, uh, and pay attention. Um, and don't try to force anything, you know, to happen, but just keep um, exploring and learning. Um, I think getting to that knowing stage comes two different ways. One, if you're lucky enough to have some sort of profound experience, or two, uh, which in my case was just being absorbed. I mean, I read literally hundreds upon hundreds of uh, hundreds of books. I mean, I have a library probably with a couple of thousand books, and I just kept taking it all in, taking it all in. Now, what the science did for me is, is for, once the science convinced me, then it opened me up personally. So now I could recognize these things, you know, that were happening. So, you know, grief... Um, is a process. I mean, there is no, you know, sometimes I bristle when people say that, you know, they, they get, they need closure. There really is no closure when you, when some, somebody close to you that you love, you know, dies. Um, there's always going to be a, a, a hole in your heart to a certain degree, but you can, um, you can, once you come to believe that you're going to see them again or that they still exist, you can, live with more meaning and purpose, you know, knowing that that that's going to happen. And you can choose to, uh, look, at the beginning for the first couple of years after my daughter passed, I was a basket case. I mean, I wanted to die. I I didn't see any reason for going on. I didn't know how I could possibly, you know, resume my life. Um, But um, I was able to transform my grief to a certain degree by all the stuff that we're talking about. So um, don't, be so close-minded about everything. Just because your teachers taught you something or your clergy tells you something or your 
the media tells you something, the scientists tell you something, it doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you just you, you just remain open and you form your own opinions based upon what, what you've discovered. Yeah, I, I like that. Remain open. And then I especially like that you're saying, don't force it. Don't don't force and don't expect. Don't expect for that for you to wake up in the morning and your coffee cup is full of coffee and nobody's in the house and you're thinking, oh, uh, my my significant other, my wife, my husband must have poured the coffee for me. And now I believe right. that, that that that's not going to happen. They're not going to pour the yeah. coffee for you. Yeah, and and also I, you know, I sometimes I talk about this and I get a lot of looks, but I don't think I think it's wrong to think that everything is a sign from your loved one. You know, I don't believe that every single thing, you know, every single penny that you see on the ground is 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 a sign from your loved one, you know, and so forth. Because I think if you accept everything as a sign, that that diminishes the really true communications and signs that you get you know so some are and it's like everything else some are and some aren't you know uh, we find that uh, there's in everything in life so um, some things are really profound uh, for instance if if using that example I mean if I have a, a dream at night like a dream visitation from my loved one and, and my loved one says to me I'm going to leave a a penny, you know, with my my birth date on it for you to see, and then the next day I'm walking and I happen to see a penny and I pick it up and it has that birth date. I'd give that a lot of weight, you know, mm -hmm. compared to you know because I was told it or I asked for it and then I got it, and you know, so it it, it lessens the possibility that it's a coincidence. So some some things are, um, don't, you know, don't accept everything um, yeah. at, at face value, you know, but but treasure the, the true things that you do get. So in other words, just because I keep asking and asking for those winning lottery numbers from the, uh, my deceased and I'm not getting it, don't dismiss it that they aren't there listening or, or anything like that. That's right. You know, people, you know, people sometimes ask, you know, do our loved ones in spirit, um, are they aware of everything that we do? You know, they're afraid, like, did they follow me in the bathroom? Did he, are they constantly <laughs> with me? Um, you know, I, I had an, I'll just tell you this quickly. I had an incident where that same medium that was a, that's a friend of ours um, sent me an email one morning and the night before I was I was sitting in my kitchen and I was washing dishes and sometimes I'll talk to my wife out loud you know so then I'm alone I talk to her and I said to her friend I don't care what you say this kitchen was poorly designed because every time I wash the damn dishes the water splashes all over the place you know stupid thing that's that's just what I said to him the next morning I get a, um, an email from this medium she said bob i was meditating my doing my personal meditation in the morning and in the middle of the meditation uh fran came through and she said you got to get in touch with bob and let him know about the kitchen sink uh you know so that th that to me tells me that yeah they are paying attention you know because what are the odds I'm, i i say that out loud you know a couple of hours before and then out of the blue she interrupts, you know, this medium's meditation and gets a message to me, the kitchen sink. Could have been a million, 10 million different possibilities, right? So to me, that, that tells me, it's my personal proof that they pay attention. Wait a second. I talk about things and next thing I know, Google or um, Alexa's got an ad about what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's something different, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> and there she is in the background saying she did not understand. Um, <laughs> you know, 
this conversation is really great and really interesting, and I think it's really meaningful for a lot of people, especially right now during that this holiday season, uh, the Christmas, the holiday. And I say that because, you know, uh, Charles Dickens' story, uh, Christmas Carol, you, they, they, you've got your spirits, the ghosts that show you the past, the present, the future, and all that. So you know, was that real? Did that, was that something from his mind? Uh, but what I want to get on right now is how do people get a hold of or what do they do if they want to contact you through your Forever Family Foundation? Is there a website uh, and your Medium Explosion book? Because um, all these things, I, I wrote down a bunch of words uh, while I was watching. And actually, while I was watching your episode on Netflix, I started jotting down some some words, some one-liners. And of how, what I was thinking and feeling and what I thought. And I'll tell you, 95% of these words popped up, you know, just to give you some things. I, I wrote down guilt, grief, belief, belief for healing, relaxation and meditation, uh, being mindful or mindfulness, uh, altered state of consciousness. And the big one for me was daydreaming, memories, and I put imagine and imagination, be open and have hope. So those are all the words that uh, came to me while I was watching the program. And these are almost like a, uh, not a self-help, but, and not, not closure, as you were saying, too, because you, you don't close things off. But the biggest thing at the end was to have, to have hope um, and to be open. Um, so... Things, organizations, foundations like such as yours and your book really do help people uh, to get in touch or to feel better. So how and where do they find you and all this information? Well, the, you know, the, the website is, is for, Forever Family Foundation, you know, three words, dot org. Um, we, um, it has uh, various uh, bits of information. We also air, a, we've been airing a weekly radio show since 2005, and all of the past shows are, are archived on there. So if the chances are if you read a book about somebody and you want to learn more, we probably interviewed them over the past, you know, 15 years. So you just click on, you can listen to the interview. We have recommended books, you know, we have webinars, we have uh, information on grief retreats and so forth. Uh, so it's a good resource for people that are, new to this and just want to do a little exploration. We also maintain a list of certified mediums, you know, that we've certified over the years and so forth. Uh, I, uh, I write a, a blog uh, on beyondthefivesenses.com, uh, just a, on a, a personal uh, aside. And um, we, um, membership in the foundation is free. We don't charge any money. You can uh, join, you get uh, notified of, of, of all events and retreats and different things that are going on. So I encourage people to, uh, you know, log on and become a member and uh, just uh, ride the wave of information with us. Yeah, I, I would definitely encourage people to do that, to go to uh, the foreverfamilyfoundation.org, not .com, but .org. Yeah, .com will work too, okay, but it's, it's, well. it's foreverfamilyfoundation.org. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because if you're experiencing any grief, you know, as I was watching your uh, episode on Netflix, it it can and it does and it will help 
help you or help one heal or at least get started on the healing process. You know, I, I believe that folks, each individual takes things or accept things in a different way. So if you go and you read the book or you go to the website, I might get something different, but it'll help me set myself on that path, which could be the same path as that the other person who's thinking something differently, uh, but we are on that same path. Uh, that's how I look at uh, foundations such as yours, which is very, very helpful. Yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right, you know. And also, you know, we see the the thing, the reason we like having the grief retreats so much is that we can see the, 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 the end product, you know, because we see people that come, they arrive at the, for the weekend on Friday and some some people are, uh, they're really not communicating, they're very extremely wrapped up in their grief and sad and so forth. Um, and then after the closing ceremony Sunday night, there's laughter and there's a lightness to it. And and we, we sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll track their progress over the years and, and it stays with them, you know, so it can be a, a, a life transforming experience. Now, certainly not for everybody. Everybody's on their own path. But a great many people, um, it does make a difference in, in people's lives. So we... Uh, that's our favorite thing that we do. I will say this for those folks that are out there watching and listening. If you don't believe, think about this. How many times have you gone to look for your car keys or your keys or something, and you swear that's where it was or is because you always put it there, and it's not there. And then you walk away, and you're looking around, and you come back, and it's there. Who did it? Right. And how many times are you thinking of some a friend that you haven't talked to in 20 years and then the phone rings and it's that friend? Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's something out there at work. So you really yeah. have to keep your mind open to all of the possibilities. Yeah. This, right. this has been a fantastic conversation. I mean, this is something that I, I would love to just continue talking more and more about because we didn't even – we just scratched the surface and we didn't even get into uh, uh, reincarnation. We didn't really get into uh, daydreaming. We didn't get into dream interpretations and things like that, which I think in itself is fascinating. Yeah, I mean, we could t I certainly could talk about this for hours. Yes. I mean, is it, and there's a lot of a lot of evidence that we could, you know, we could talk about in each discipline that's very compelling. So, it's important stuff. Maybe we can do it another time. Yes, um, I am. I am absolutely open to that. And you know, with that being said, thank you very, very much. I mean, uh, th this has been fantastic, and it's been, you know more of an education and eye-opening for me uh, as well, so. Um, yeah, appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure being here. You ask a lot of good questions and um, I could tell you're one of those, you're like me, you're one of those open-minded skeptics that, that follows the evidence. Yeah, uh, evidence, <laughs> yep. I'm still waiting for the little green men up there someplace though. Show me the evidence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>